number one, I, I would speak generally to anybody who's out there. So like if, if, if somebody is listening and they're going to try to take this information and then apply it, I would say, number one, a clear definition of extraordinary. Uh, you need to know what makes you tick. Um, and that takes experience and you can't expedite experience. You got to go out, you got to try things on. And my guess, because I'm not that old and I don't have that much experience, my guess <laughs> is as soon as you think you figured out what uh, an extraordinary life looks like, you know, you get a curveball and that's going to change and it's going to shift and you keep moving toward it. So I think continually checking in on what that definition looks Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Live an Extraordinary Life. I am your host, Tim Bishop, and this podcast serves as a guide to help you define what an extraordinary life is for yourself. And this episode today is pretty exciting. We have a special guest, Tyler Quinn, who is a co-founder of Alchemy 365. Alchemy 365 was founded in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They now have locations in Minnesota and Denver and are looking to expand all across the U.S. Alchemy is a fitness studio that blends together yoga and CrossFit into a beautiful and amazing workout. But Tyler says that the real reason why Alchemy is finding such success is that it focuses on making its customers and clients feel alive. And I'm really excited today to share his story and his thoughts on what it means to live an extraordinary life. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. We have Tyler Quinn as our special guest. He is the co-founder of Alchemy, along with many other things, and we're very fortunate to have him on the show today. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Absolutely. Um, do you want to give us just the brief uh, SparkNotes version of what you're up to right now before we dive deeper into the story and the finer details. Yeah, spark notes. Uh, we'll keep it <laughs> short. Yeah. Uh, so, so as you said, so I'm a I'm a co-founder and chief talent officer of a company called Alchemy Three Six Five. Uh, we're in the boutique fitness space, based out of the Twin Cities. Um, started in 2015. Um, we've we've sort of slowly actually. I shouldn't say slowly. It's been a it's been a fairly quick journey. We've we've grown over the last four and a half five years um, to to seven locations, and we uh, have a couple out in Denver. So we we broke into a new market um, about a year and a half ago, which was an exciting uh, undertaking for us. And and we're we're basically just full throttle in growth mode, trying to get Alchemy to become a national player, which is something we had set out to do right at the beginning. And uh, yeah, and I I'm fortunate not enough to play a at least a small role in that <laughs> in that story. So that's what I do right now. That's where I'm at. Uh, Alchemy three six five is my is my baby, and um, I, along with my partners, uh, are pretty pretty heavily focused on that. Sweet, beautiful. Well, I I gotta ask you because the first time I ever saw your gym, I saw Alchemy, and then I saw Pursue Your Legend, and I was like, okay, this name must have been birthed from the Alchemist book. It wasn't. I don't know where they got it from. So I got to hear the, I got to hear how the name came to be and, and the, the slogan Pursue Your Legend because it seemed like there was too many synergies going on there. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're hundred percent correct. That's, that's absolutely where it came from. Um, but the, but the story is kind of fun. Um, and if you, if you haven't been to Alchemy, I'll just explain that sort of our bread and butter, the class format that we've kind of, we've kind of put forward as our, as our, as our leading product. Um, we call it the A20. It warms up with some basic yoga flow, kind of gets heat built up into the body. It's an A20 because in the middle of class, you, you peak with 20 minutes of high intensity training. And, uh, and at the very end, you do some yoga flow to cool down on the back end. And at the beginning of this journey, when we were putting together the product, um, as, as the guy who as the guy who was sort of leading the charge on product development, um, it resembled to me sort of like the, uh, like a bell curve or like the um, almost like a pulse, you know, where you get a big spike in the middle of the class where you kind of mm -hmm. warm up slowly, you have this big 20 minute spike and then it cools down. And I, I rode crew in high school and um, oh, nice. to me, yeah. So it's something we, we did in crew is we did something called like a power 10 or a power 20 where and when the boat was out of sync, the, the, the coxswain would call for a power 10. And you, your, you and your teammates would dig in for 10 or 20 really aggressive strokes to kind of get things back into gear. And so initially, the business was going to be called Power 10 Fitness. Oh, no um, and we were going to have Power 10 classes and Power 20 classes. And obviously, the issue with that was, number one, it felt a little a little bit literal to a fitness brand mm. um, in, in terms of naming. And then also just with core power being core power and power 10. It felt like there was just a little bit too much overlap, hard to differentiate. Gotcha. So we segued out of that 
And I'm, I'm, I'm terribly embarrassed to tell you that for a short period of time, the company was going to be called King Pigeon. And I don't, I don't, I don't have an explanation for it. I don't know what, I don't know what the, what we were thinking when we came up with that for, was your for idea? Like tw- no, of course not. Of course not. But for, t- for 24 hours, that stuck. And, uh, but basically the story goes, um, that I was at, uh, I was at, uh, in my business partner's house. So Mike and his wife, Andrea, are my two business partners from at this, at this point going on 11 years. Um, we started together in our, in our CrossFit business and I was going on vacation and I asked Andrea if she had any good, um, any good beach reads. You know, I was going down to the Southeast. We were going to go out and she went upstairs. She got a bunch of books, she brought them down. Nobody was paying any attention. I was flipping through all the books. And at this point we're like, you know, we're well underway and fundraising and, you know, getting our product ready to roll. We just didn't have a name. And I came to the alchemist and I said, oh, um, yeah. I said, Hey, what if we called it alchemy? And I, I, I swear to you, it's like, it, it truly is one of those, you know, lightning strikes kind of moments because um, they both immediately took to it. They loved it. We have two other business partners, Molly Hanton and Scott Jagodzinski and through text message, you know, I was able to communicate with them. Hey, what do you think about this? And they were both thrilled right off the bat. And it was one of those things where it, even, even though it had taken months to get there, it stuck. And um, what we like about the name is it's sort of fundamentally about transformation and, and improvement. And yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, obviously the fictional science of alchemy is, is led to gold, but, but for us, it's, it's generally just about, it's about taking something in its current form and transforming it through work and sweat and effort to something greater. And you get to define what greater is. You get to define what that final transformation needs to look like. It's not for us to determine that for you. We just want to be a part of that journey. And, um, and then obviously if you've read the book, Coelho talks about um, yeah. an individual pursuing their legend. And that's really, that's really whatever your personal legend is as an individual, whatever it is that uh, gets you out of bed in the morning, whatever, whatever, actually one of your questions was well, what's an extraordinary life. How do we get to an extraordinary life? Well, your legend is defined by that, by that, uh, by that, by that concept, you know, what is extraordinary to you? And so it all felt very, very appropriate for what we were going to try to do with our business. Alchemy made sense. The concept of transformation and improvement made sense and pursuing a personal legend made sense to us. So once we came up with it, it stuck and uh, we're, we're, we have never looked back on it. I, I love the name to this day and I love the concept of PYL of pursuing your legend still. So hasn't gotten stale yet. Yeah, no, man. I, well, it's funny cause I have, I literally have like my copies here because oh, I, nice. <laughs> I literally like, so I found about this book in high school. And as you can see, this is like, I mean, taped, this thing's been read by, I've given this thing to like 50 people because I, I was watching a video on like Will Smith and it was, mm-hmm. he said it was his favorite book and I checked it out and I think I've read it four or five times now in the last like eight years, just because I'm just, it's like my Bible. It's like, this is my, this is my manifesto for how I want to attack my life. It's so simple, but it's just the meshes are so powerful. So I had a feeling that there was um, a story there. Cause I was like, I know this story too well for these, this not to, to be from the alchemist. So that's, that's pretty awesome, man. I, I like the name for sure. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was funny. I had not read it, right? I just saw the book cover. You just thought, saw the oh, cover. That, that'd, be, that'd be a cool name. And, and incidentally, I, you know, I left the next day and I read it. And as I was reading it, it like, it like solidified in my mind because exactly what you just said, the message is profoundly simple, but incredibly high impact for people. I mean, it, it really is a, a fantastic book. It's, it's, it's such a great story. And over that weekend, I read it cover to cover and just thought, yeah, this, this is it. This is what, this is what we're doing. We're just doing this with people as opposed to material, you know? Right. Absolutely. So, um, how did you like, so talk to me about how you ended up meeting your business partners and how you decided to like basically kick off this venture pre, pre the name, like, you know, before you decided on the yeah. name and you already started <laughs> moving, um, how did your guys' past cross and, and what made you again, like know that it's gonna be a good partnership or like what told you there was synergies there and just kind of your personalities. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes, it goes back to 2009, honestly. Um, I, I had, I came out of college. I went to St. Olaf and I started a, uh, I started a CrossFit gym in the twin cities, um, um, right out of, right out of school. So when I graduated, I moved up to Minneapolis and I started CrossFit Minneapolis. And I had some, I had some skills that were appropriate for that work, but I also lacked a lot of skills. So, um, Mm. you know, I was super passionate about my product. I was super passionate about CrossFit and about coaching and about working with people. And I think that I, 
I think that I had a knack for that and for building community, but I certainly didn't have any experience in business or, um, or, uh, uh, you know, finance or anything that would, that would sort of be the back end of right. keeping a structured business that you could grow into. And what happened was there was, this is, this is 2009. So there were so few CrossFit gyms. In fact, there were only just a couple in the state of Minnesota and wow. um, yeah, it's not like today. And, yeah. um, and, and Mike Jones, who is one of my business partners, he uh, and his wife, Andrea started CrossFit St. Paul. So just across the river, a couple months after I did, so almost parallel timelines, and um, I think Mike reached out to me, maybe, it, which would make sense at the time based on our personalities. <laughs> um, I think he reached out to me and said, hey, you know, look, let's, let's get coffee. Let's connect. And so we, we got together um, at Caribou Coffee on Grand Avenue in St. Paul. And um, I, I thought highly of Mike instantly. I mean, um, he's a poster child for what you'd want in a, in a business leader. This is a guy who um, was a captain in the Marine Corps. Um, did did two tours, uh, uh, so you know obviously a, a great leader and very disciplined person. Got his MBA from Georgetown. Had experience working at 3M, so he had some experience in the, you know, in the in, in the in big business and right. and had transitioned after experiencing that world. He just found that it wasn't for him. He was entrepreneurial at heart and um, and got into got into CrossFit. So so you know I'm looking at him going, wow, you're everything I'm not. <laughs> and, um, and, and maybe he wouldn't say this. I don't know. Maybe I, right. you'd have to, you'd have to ask him, but mm -hmm. I, I like to think that maybe he would say something similar about me, which is maybe I brought some skills to the table that he, um, knew he was lacking in his business. He, and, and at the time, his wife, who was definitely a fitness expert, but, but she was laid up, she was on bed rest because she was about to give birth to her twins. So, you know, Mike's, Mike's kind of running the business and trying to be the product master sort of simultaneously. Mm -hmm. We connect, and over time, over a few meetings, I finally just said, "Hey, why don't we, um, you know, why don't we do this thing together? We can we can build something faster and bigger and greater together than we can individually." And so we we and I'm I'll, I'll take a long story and I'll try to make it short. We basically <laughs> mer merged assets, um, became business partners, ended up growing that business to four CrossFit gyms in the Twin Cities, which at the time felt like a massive, you know, we were a conglomerate, right? We thought yeah. we were, we were thought we were big business at that point, but, um, and, and really what happened was, um, we, we knew we wanted to segue out of the CrossFit space and into something that was a little bit more proprietary, a little bit more of our own. There's a whole story about how alchemy came to be and how mm -hmm. that product evolved, but we knew it was going to involve yoga and we knew it was going to involve finding capital and, um, <laughs> And this is where we got introduced to Molly Hanton, who is our uh, sort of, she, she came to the table from Core Power and we knew her through our CrossFit business and she brought up a lot of expertise from that world. And this is how we met Scott Jagodzinski, who also has a huge, substantial business background. The guy's, the guy had um, su successful exits in a number of companies long before he ever met any of us and, um, and, and came to the table and he wanted to support our effort as well. And so that's how the five of us sort of, sort of melded together to become a, a cohesive leadership team and the folks who would eventually go on to, to start the company. Sweet. So yeah. you were pretty much like not that many years out of school, correct? Uh, currently or at the time? No, no, like at the time. Yeah. I mean, I, so, so the truth is I graduated, I put everything I owned into a U-Haul. I had been collecting fitness equipment over the last year of college that oh, I knew yeah. I was going to use in my gym. I drove to the Grain Belt Brewery building where I was going to open across Minneapolis and, uh, I got to work. So that is like, we're talking like 10 days after I graduated, <laughs> that, that business was open. That's dude, that's awesome. And then, I mean, was that just instilled in you at a young age? I mean, it sounds like you did crew or rowing in college. Like, were you just always kind of an athlete and you knew that was the passion for you or was there other options you were ever thinking about or you just, you kind of went all systems go on this, on this career path? Yeah, no, it's the, no, it, it really wasn't. I had, um, I had, well, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, I had, um, I had plans to go into the military. Okay. Uh, I come from a military family and, um, and after the military, I had thought about doing, uh, getting in, getting into law school. And then I thought maybe I'd go into politics. And this is of course the vision <laughs> that I had when I was like 17 years old. So, right. um, that, that gave way, but, but as I was preparing for what I thought would be a military uh, endeavor after graduating from college, um, I found CrossFit because, you know, on the blogs, people were saying, Hey, this is the way you train. This is the way you get ready. And I did find that I was passionate about it. Um, you know, people joke and say, 
you know, you'll know somebody's involved with CrossFit because they'll never shut up about CrossFit. And, and that, that is true. <laughs> that is true in a lot of ways, but there is a reason for it. I mean, people love it. People are super passionate about it. And I dig that. And I was one of them for a long time. And I was very fortunate. I went to San Francisco and I did got to do some interning with, um, the, the big wigs at CrossFit. And again, this is way back in the day before there mm-hmm. was a sort of clear path to opening your own affiliate. And, um, and it's it sort of way led to way where, where all of a sudden I found this thing fell into my lap. And I thought similarly to, to what you said before the podcast started, what were my risks? I mean, I had no money. I had no collateral. I had nothing to lose. The military would be there. Um, right. In a way, I, I don't even know if I thought it would succeed. I think it was sort of like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I love it. Let's do it. And, and then it did. It, did, it sort of popped and slowly started to grow from there. And so, um, yeah, it, it was, it's somewhat serendipitous the way it unfolded. So, no, it wasn't planned from the beginning. I wasn't always in it. I studied English and political science. Okay. I mean, that, those, those were my majors in college. So yeah. I, I, didn't, um, you know, I didn't study exercise phys or anything like that. Uh, that just sort of came through passion and excitement about uh, about the industry. Yeah, cool. Well, if we're going to use another book reference, I would say Paulo Coelho would say, if you follow your heart, that's where you'll find your treasure, man. Good things that's will right. happen. That's <laughs> so, right. No, that's exactly use right. Some, use exactly some book right. quotes there. Okay, cool. So <laughs> then when Alchemy started, um, why why did you like feel the need? So you want to make CrossFit kind of your own, and you wanted to merge yoga and CrossFit kind of together, correct? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was quite so explicit. Um, okay. I, I think, I think a lot of these stories are so much clearer in retrospect where you look back on them. Right. We, we are both, I think all of my business partners are entrepreneurial and we can talk a little bit about what I think that means um, mm-hmm. maybe in, in a bit, but, yeah. um, but for Mike and I in particular through a lot of conversation, we felt like maybe we had reached a bit of a ceiling with CrossFit. We were maybe struggling to grow that business. Um, they were popping up everywhere. There was a very little, there are very few ways to differentiate yourself from the competition. So the landscape was a little, un, we were a little unclear about how the landscape was going to, going to evolve. And then ultimately you were, you were going to be tethered to the parent company forever because you were a CrossFit affiliate. And that's, and, and, and for my CrossFit friends out there, that's not a bad thing. It just was something that we were aware of and we would talk about. And at the same time, being an entrepreneur means you're always interested in what's going on out there. And what was going on at the time was this thing called core power was like, popping up and blowing mm-hmm. up and and we we frankly as crossfitters didn't fully understand it like like what was so appealing to people about yoga um and these classes and then and then ultimately then of course sculpt came around and and yoga sculpt happened and it was like baffling to us we, we couldn't comprehend it and we thought well crossfit is certainly pretty extreme and it, it represents one end of the spectrum and right. anytime you're really far down a spectrum on anything you are isolating yourself. You are, you are rep- you really only can a- attract a sliver of the population. And I argued that maybe what core power was doing at the time, because there wasn't a huge boutique uh, fitness space sort of carved out just yet. Mm-hmm. Core power was really the leader or a leader in that they were pretty far down on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of who they were attracting. Right. If you, if you looked at the facilities, if you looked at who went, if you looked at what they, what they dressed uh, like, you know, what kind of cars they drove, where they lived, what they prioritized, they were very different people, what their age groups were. They were very different people. Gotcha. And, and the thought was, Hey, now hold on as an entrepreneur, there's gotta be a way to bridge the gap between these two ends of the spectrum between this really extreme and effective training program called CrossFit. And, and I, extreme maybe isn't the right word. It, the optics of CrossFit were that it was gotcha. extreme. I didn't think it was extreme from the inside, but, but from the outside, it was, it certainly, you know, loud barbells getting slammed around and things like that. So mm-hmm. it looked extreme. And then on the other end of the spectrum, um, a Zenful sort of, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> to, to me, it felt maybe a, a little bit of like a, a fluffy experience, sort of quote unquote fitness experience on the other end. And we thought, Hey, there've got to be people in the yoga world who want a little bit more intensity. They, they don't want to plateau. They want to keep getting stronger. They want to have meaningful functional fitness there've got to be people in the CrossFit world who don't really want to compete They They don't necessarily want to do all the Olympic lifts. They might right. appreciate being in an environment that was a little bit more polished. 
um, bearing in mind that all of our CrossFit gyms were in these like warehouses back behind the train tracks. Yeah, I used to go a few. I remember. <laughs> yeah, there's and there's got, just got to be a space in the middle. And and lo and behold, as we started to test the product at our CrossFit business, we found that that space was very appealing to a huge swath of people. And so I, I wish I could say that it was like ultra strategic, where we were like, we know what we're going to do. It wasn't. We originally just created a class. It was going to be a class that we offered at our CrossFit gym and it was ideally just going to retain people that were going to quit and attract a slight, you know, slightly more people that maybe wouldn't have been interested in CrossFit in the first place. Mm-hmm. But it got, it had such strong legs right at the beginning. Um, there was so much, uh, um, people were so excited about it right off the bat that we thought, Hey, this is a standalone business. We, we can't ignore this. We need to run with it. We need to roll this out. And that's what we did in the North loop. So in 2015, we just opened the first location and luckily for us, the thing, the thing went. And, um, and then of course, you know, great minds think alike or, or these types of things happen, you know, all at once. And so what you've seen in the last five years is this explosion of really fantastic boutique fitness opportunities or training spaces out there. There are a ton of them in the twin cities and there are a ton of them around the world and it's cool. It's cool. And I think we all, we have core power and CrossFit to thank for that. I think that I, you know, I won't speak for the other boutique brands that, um, you know, are big in the twin cities because it's not appropriate for me to do that. But I can tell you that alchemy you know, owes a lot to the space that CrossFit carved out and the space that core power carved out. And anybody who says that, Hey, I did it on my own. They're, they're mm-hmm. just denying the truth that we all stand on the shoulders of the business leaders and the business concepts that, that came before us. And um, I was young and immature at the time. And so I probably poo pooed, you know, the core power space. Um, but I don't need more. I, I see what they've done as exceptional and I'm grateful for them because it's allowed alchemy to be what it is and and serve the people that, that want to be a part of it. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's an awesome perspective, man. And that's, yeah, that's sweet. So now you're five, yeah, about five years down the line. And so I'm curious what else you think. I mean, cause you said it yourself, there's a lot of boutique fitness studios and it's always interesting to see new players in the game because you're like, man, there, there's a lot of gyms around. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a fact, you know, you got a lot of options. Um, so you look at alchemy and you say, okay, this has been growing pretty well over the last five years. Um, you have a unique product. You talk about how you maybe are building off of the, the trends of where you thought CrossFit and yoga were going and the merge between those. But what else do you think is making your approach so successful to this business in particular when you know there is a lot of options for people to choose when it comes to fitness? That's a great question. Um, it's a question that we get a lot. And um, I guess I guess what I would say is if, if we back up just a little bit, um, we have a fantastic product. Uh, our A10, A20, uh, A-Flow and Built Body classes are awesome. I think they're, fan- I think they're fantastic. They'll make you fit. They are effective. But there are lots of places, to your point, where you can go get a great workout. So if you ask me, why does alchemy exist? Not what does alchemy do, but why does alchemy exist? Borrowing from you know, Simon Sinek, start with why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and if you ask me why alchemy exists, I would tell you flat out. And I would hope that every single one of our 120 employees would be able to rattle this off without even thinking about it. Is we exist to help people feel alive. We are not really in the fitness business. We are in the lifestyle business. We are in the help people feel alive business. And what we know at Alchemy is that helping people feel alive, feeling alive, has um, a different definition for everybody. Yes, it may be getting your first pull up. That's awesome. People get their first pull up. They never thought they could. And they're glowing and they, they ride that high for a long, long time. Um, it might be, it might be uh, other fitness-related goals that they've set and that they achieve. But it also might be that you had a bad day at work and you got yelled at by your boss and you had an argument with your significant other and you didn't sleep well the night before and you're, you're caught in traffic and you show up late to class and you think, oh my God, this is terrible. And you walk in and the person behind the front desk says, hey, Tim, don't worry about being late. Go get changed. What weights do you want? I'll get you set up and I'll get a spot ready for you. And you, you have this moment where you go, wow, this is the first time all day that I felt good, that like someone's taking care of me. 
that might be feeling alive for you. And it might have absolutely nothing to do with the workout that you get yourself into for the next 50 minutes. It has everything to do with the interaction and you come in feeling one way and you walk out feeling different. You walk out feeling better. And we have just drilled that into the core of who we are. And, and Molly is so, my business partner Molly, she's so good at making sure that our operational processes, they're designed around, the, around saying yes to people, around, around that concept of helping people feel alive. They're not just about exercising. So to your, your question, lots of places to work out. How do you differentiate your, yourself? It's not that we look at what other people do are doing and we try to audible and pivot and go our own way. We just have taken this sort of generalized, non-literal approach to what our space can be for people. And we know that, yes, it can be a place to work out, but more importantly, it's a place to feel alive. And so we do everything in our power to, to, to provide that experience for our customers. And, um, and, and I shouldn't call them customers. We call them athletes. We provide that experience for our athletes. And that is at the core of, of why we exist. And I think it comes through. And I think that is why alchemy has struck a chord with people and people stick around. Yeah, man. That's a, I, I don't know if you'd meet someone who said they don't want to feel alive. So I think that purpose <laughs> and that mission is, yeah, it's very powerful. I mean, it's, it's moving when you talk about it and it, obviously it resonates so strongly within you, one of the founders, which seems to with your team have definitely been instilled into the business and community as a whole. And I actually want to bring up one other point that I saw in like a press quote. And I don't know if you said this, but it might've been one of your partners who had said like, we are building communities, not franchises. And mm -hmm. I was curious if you could touch on that and like what that means to you. And it, it might tie into this whole feeling alive thing, but I, I want to get your take on what that means to you guys as founders that you're building communities, not just, franchises and what might come with that word well i think i think i don't know if there was anything specific about the word franchise tim to be com completely honest but i think okay. i think conceptually um well i mean let, let me be pause on that for a second we are not a franchise we are a corporate owned business so we are owned by our our at this point the five founders and we've done an equity raise so we have a, a number of shareholders and, okay. and um, who have participated in helping us grow uh but I don't think it, we, we meant literally we're not, we're not going to be a franchise. I think what we meant is we're going to prioritize um, what I just said, helping people feel alive. We're, we're going to prioritize building community. We're going to prioritize providing a high level of, of experience and a high level of quality on a consistent basis to our athletes. And we're going to prioritize that over um, growth and revenue. And I, I will tell you, you know, uh, it, it may not always – be clear to people uh, looking at the company from the outside, but but I can I can sort of assure you that that is the focal point of the of the leadership team at this company, and we and and the the proof is baked into our ten year target. So when we talk about our long term objectives, when we started the company, we set this really binary uh, target of two hundred profitable locations by X year, right? So we set set a goal, which was sort of not particularly inspiring for the troops and didn't really speak to the feeling alive. And it didn't, I, I didn't know if it moved the needle on all the things I just told you about. Right. And we've slowly refined that and wiggled around on that because it's never felt good to us. And what we finally come to is that, you know, our 10 year target as stated and as delivered company wide to every single person in our organization is become a, a world-class company and improve hundreds of thousands of lives along the way. And so what we're talking about now is not, it's not growth. We're not talking about a revenue objective. We're not talking about a big successful exit. Yeah, we, we want all of those things to happen, of course, but we want those to be the byproducts of being an exceptional company mm -hmm. and improving the lives of the people who come through our door. If we can prioritize that, if we can take care of people the right way, then guess what? The growing, the growing will happen. The growing will be the byproduct. It will be the outcome. Um, and, and if we focus on the right things, uh, then all the growth and all the revenue and all the profit that sure we, we aspire to as business people that will follow. And I think that's what that quote really means. We're, we're focused on the communities. We're focused on the product. We're focused on taking care of people. We're not focused on just, you know, ramping up and, and spitting them out. Cause if we wanted to, we could become a franchise. We could sell we could sell the fran you know, we could sell off the franchising rights to people. We could pop, we could explode all over the country. That's not really the goal. We would lose control of the experience. 
And uh, none of us have any interest in that. Not, not at this point. Don't quote me on that forever. But <laughs> right, na- right now, that's not, the, uh, that's not the focus. Yeah. Well, I won't speak for everyone, but I, I do love that, that mindset because, I mean, I think about in my own life and a lot of people's lives probably like, well, I want to impact people. You know? I want to I change lives or, you know, in a broad sense. I want to help people. And it's easy to think about that on a bigger scale. But what it comes down to is like each and every person that you come in contact with, how well are you already impacting those people? And like you said, you have these communities. So like, are we doing what we need to do to grow and develop these communities? And if we do that, that's going to allow us to keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that. So I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I admire that, that approach and that, a mind then that mindset to truly impacting people. So, you know, we have a, uh, we have a customer headlines channel on our Slack where anytime we get a positive or negative piece of feedback about the experience that goes directly into that customer headlines and it guides our decision-making. And I don't want, you know, if anybody out there is listening, who's been to alchemy, uh, we don't always get it right. You know, we are a dynamic, growing, young company. Uh, I, this is the first, this is the biggest company I've ever been a part of, right? Like, um, I've never done this before. We're learning as we go. But I can tell you that when we run our decision making through the filters, the first filter is, does it help people feel alive? And, um, and we try to answer with yes. And it doesn't mean we're going to get it right all the time. We're going to make mistakes. Um, and, uh, and it's not always going to be perfect, but it definitely guides our, our planning and decision-making. So I hope that the people out there who are listening, who have been to Alchemy will at least believe me when I say it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, I want to take, I want to take one step back from Alchemy and look at, look at the journey. I like to, to dig in a bit too. It's easy to see, okay, like right now people are hearing this, they're learning about alchemy. They're, you know, you're what, nine years since the idea birth or however many years since, you know, you had first had the thought and I, you know, I want to get a little insight into one either personal or maybe professional, just like failure or struggle that you feel like taught you something on this journey. Um, because I, I know for myself and I think for most people, there's, there's, there's always ups and downs along the journey and it builds us into into who we are. So I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share kind of a personal struggle or, or obstacle you had to face in order mm-hmm. to get to where you are today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I read this question, you know, in, in, in the prep and I thought a lot about it and I, I've been, I've been super fortunate to have not been dealt any, like any massive blow in terms of like, wow, this one, totally took me off my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but again, in retrospect, when I think about the development that I've, that I've been able to have sort of personally and how it's affected my worldview and how it's helped me, um, with my work at alchemy and, 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 um, just, just as a, as a, as a business person, I often think back about, uh, my work in CrossFit and I will, I will just, I'll try to summarize it and tell you that there was a a headquarters staff that got to go around the country and lead the level one seminar that the CrossFit headquarters used to put on. And again, um, this is a long time ago when it was a lot different and I was, I was really lucky to be one of the first people in this area to do something called intern for the level one staff. And, um, I was passionate about that. I loved CrossFit and um, was a real foot soldier for the brand and and for the company and um, would have pretty much given my, given anything to have been on that staff. And um, ultimately I interned at, gosh, I, I don't even know how many level ones. And this was on my own dime. So I was traveling, I was um, staying in hotels and I was, you know, going through that challenging process of, of, of working the, the seminar, receiving feedback, getting a response, working the seminar, receiving the feedback, getting the response. And I never got fully cut loose, but I never got put on the staff. And, it, and, and what ended up happening late in the journey was that I, I was approved by one of my, by what they call the flow master of one of the uh, seminars. They said, you know, you, I watched you, you did a great job. I'm going to recommend that, um, that you're good to go, that we, that we, they quote unquote give you the red shirt. So you, you get, you get on the team. And I was, um, I was, I was elated. I was celebrating. I mean, this is, I was 20, um, I don't know, 24 maybe. And, uh, it was like the highlight of my life. Truly. It was like the highlight of my life. And, um, what ended up happening was the folks at headquarters decided, Hey, you know, we want you to go to one more as an intern. 
and I went out to um, Boston and I did an, I interned at uh, a seminar at Reebok CrossFit in, uh, in up in Massachusetts. And it was a completely different group of people. A number of them I hadn't met before. And uh, in the end, at the very, at the very end of the seminar, I got the, I got a no go from that flow master. Hey, you're out. And, um, Dang. in the end that ended my internship. And I remember sitting, uh, that ended the whole journey. It had been a, it had been a year in the making. Um, I had thought I had made it. I will tell you right now that, uh, that in my opinion was a terrible mistake. Uh, cause I was, um, I was ready to go the distance for those guys for the, for that company. And, um, and I felt like, uh, and I, and I feel to this day that that was a, a massive mistake and short-sighted, uh, on their part. Um, uh, but it was, it was, it was pretty painful for me to deal with. It hurt mm-hmm. very badly. Uh, but I can tell you what it did. What it did was it made me say, okay, I can't be a level one seminar staff person. What am I going to do? And, what I would tell you that I learned from that is that there's this fine line between being head down and grinding away at what you want to do today and also keeping your head up and on a swivel and looking out at what the opportunities might be in the future. Um, this is a uh, Jocko Willink. If you follow any of Jocko Willink, yeah, yeah. he, he might refer to this as a dichotomy, right? So it's, it's, you want to stay focused, uh, but you also want to be forward thinking simultaneously and forward thinking can very, quickly be replaced by distracted if you're not if you're not careful where your head's in the clouds Mm -hmm. but what i realized in that moment was that you know i thought all the doors in my life had closed in that moment where i was like this is it i'm done i'm 24 i didn't get the job i wanted i go back to my crossfit business this is it it's over and lo and behold now i get to run my own seminars i get to run alchemy seminars i get to train the future staff of this company and had I gotten that job, I don't know what would have happened. Had I gotten that job and been traveling every weekend, and I don't know if I would have had the bandwidth to work with my partners to come up with, I don't know if that would have ever come to, to, to form. And so in retrospect, it's that balance of, look, there aren't, there, there's no situation where if the door closes, that's it. That's the only door. There's always another door. And, um, and there are two ways to think about it. You can either wait till the door closes to go look around for the other door, or you can be sort of modestly proactive about it and say, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm here right now. I'm in this doorway, but just in case, where are my other exits? And, uh, and, and in the case that the door slams in your face, you can rapidly and quickly audible and, and move on. So I don't know if that's an answer to the question, but that's perfect, man. <laughs> that, that, that came to mind. And I will tell you that that yeah. was, that was the most painful professional experience of my entire life. I sat on that hotel bed in Boston and I felt like, uh, I felt like the wind had been taken out of my sails for sure. So, Yeah. No, I mean, and I, I, thanks for sharing that. And I, I love the, I mean, the, like the, the small term and the long term approach. I mean, I'm super early in my entrepreneurial journey, but I think that's exactly how, based off of what, not on my own finding, but based off of what I've been learning from a lot of other entrepreneurs, which is you have to keep moving, but you got to make sure you're moving in the direction you want to move. So you always mm-hmm. got to be checking in on the, you know, the big vision, but if the day-to-day thing, like if something goes wrong, then just check back in with that big vision and then turn it a little bit and then just keep going. So I love the, I love the relationship between those two things. And I love how you talked about that. So, yeah, you know, it it maybe isn't exactly the same thing, but Stephen Covey talks about um, this idea that, you know, look, you, you have a machete and you're hacking your way through a jungle and you're trying to, you're trying to cut a path and you're working super hard and you're working diligently and you're not even taking lunch breaks and you're just sweating and you're, you know, you're whipping your way through. If you never climb up into the treetops and take a look, you might find that you're zigzagging through the jungle, right? And so, so from time to time, it becomes essential that we climb up we, we take this bird's eye view. We climb up out of what we're doing. And we, we ch- to your point, check back in. Where's the North Star? You know, am I going in the right way? Or am I finding that I'm working really hard and I'm going in circles or I'm zigzagging around? And um, I don't know if that is directly related to, to the story I just told you, but I think it's yeah. a great lesson and, and it's a great thought, which is you have to balance both the, the long-term vision and then the, the day-to-day grind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, you mentioned earlier in the episode about 
the idea of having an entrepreneurial mindset. And I'm curious kind of what that means for you, not only for your business, but kind of your life and, and just the way you approach your life holistically, um, professionally and personally with this entrepreneurial mindset that you say that you have. Yeah. So, so the question you asked and it, it was great. I actually really enjoyed writing up my notes on, on your questions. Um, you, you know, you talked about how it's committing to being an entrepreneur and then, you know, the question goes on and I, I, I paused on that word committing for a long time. And the, uh, I guess my perspective on that is I don't think people do commit to entrepreneurship or to being mm. an entrepreneur. I think that entrepreneur, let me, I'll say this and then I'll follow it up. I think entrepreneurship is just, you either are, or you aren't. Mm. I follow I follow it up by saying, and don't, think one is better than the other all right there are really awesome things about working for yourself and starting a company no doubt and if and if you are one of those people where it, it that kind of burns inside you and that's your worldview you'll love it if you're not that way you're gonna hate it don't <laughs> pretend and let me tell you there there are jobs out there where you can go work for companies or work for other people and that's awesome too so i'm not i'm not Qual, uh, qualifying one as being better than the other. Right. I just don't think you wake up one day and you're like, I'm going to, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my own thing. I think it's kind of, it's kind of just in there and that's a, it's a style. It's, it's just how you see things or it's not. So I'm not hundred percent sure that it is something that you, uh, that you commit to. Um, the uh, the negatives I, I would say of entrepreneurial mindsets and at least, at least as I can, sort of frame them up in my own, in my own experience is that it's really, really hard to find a level of contentment because I think entrepreneurship mm -hmm. by default and being entrepreneurial or being in an entrepreneurial organization means you're never happy with the status quo. You, you can't help but look around you and ideate on ways to improve, streamline, increase efficiency. You cannot help it. It's, it's, it's just baked into who you are. Right. And so I would say that, and this is, this is, this is personal. It's not, I mean, I, I'll just tell you flat out, like my fiance will tell you that the thing I struggle with the most is just like chilling out and just like <laughs> stop for a second. And I know, and I think, I think like that gets glamorized, like, Oh wow. That like, wow. Always going, you know, always on the move. I don't mean it that way. I don't mean it as like a glamorous look at how cool it is to be like, I'm, I'm always working. I don't mean it that way. I, I kind of truly mean it as a negative, which is like, it's kind of hard to put your feet up and chill out because you mm -hmm. look at everything as an opportunity. Everywhere you look, there's, there are more opportunities. That is what I think is, is sort of synonymous to me with entrepreneurship and that entrepreneurial mindset. And I got some really awesome advice from just a mentor of mine uh, not too long ago who basically was like, look, there's no finish line to this thing. Don't even, don't even think about it this way because I think part of my angst and part of my lack of contentment was this idea that, Hey, I haven't hit my home run yet. If I just do X, Y, and Z, if I just, hmm. you know, sell the company and make this much money and, you know, achieve these personal accolades, then I'll be done. I will have satisfied my entrepreneurial, you know, demands. And he was like, it won't work that way. The minute you do those things, because it's just baked into your personality, you're just going to find the next thing to, to bug yourself out about. So this is you, this is you forever, accept that and, and move forward with that, with that worldview and try to just pace it out rather than try to change it or try to find some kind of finish line, just pace it out and understand that, Hey, you're 33 now. And the, till the day you die, that's probably going to be the way you look at things. But yeah. That is my perspective on entrepreneurship and what it means to be an entrepreneur. I don't think it's something you decide to be. I think it is or it isn't. And one is not better than the other. And you should, you should do a hard assessment before you try to strike it on your own because um, when you try to fake it, 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 I don't think it works very well. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of my, my perspective on what it means to be an entrepreneur in this yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Speaking of book references, there was the Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin, I believe is her name. And that was the big takeaway I had from her book, which is what you just said, which she, was, she said the same thing, which was like, 
like there is no like point you get to and then you're happy point you get to and then okay everything settles out it's like no the life you're living will persist so you have to like learn to just enjoy (laughs) what's going on and don't like kill yourself until some point that probably will never like fully come the way you imagine it so yeah it's a it's a a massive it's a massive struggle of mine and i um i i'm working on it and i hope i can i can get my arms around it because because it would be nice (laughs) yeah yeah well i know i could keep asking a million more questions but i'm being mindful of our time so i want to jump to kind of the big question that i ask most guests which is because I'm curious in my own life, I'm trying to piece together what everybody else says and just take a holistic look at this broad question. But when you look at your life for you, what do you think is necessary to live an extraordinary life? Yeah, I liked that question. Um, number one, I, I would speak generally to anybody who's out there. So like if, if, if somebody is listening and they're going to try to take this information and then apply it, I would say number one, a clear definition of extraordinary. Uh, you need to know what makes you tick. Um, and that takes experience and you can't expedite experience. You got to go out, you got to try things on. And my guess, because I'm not that old and I don't have that much experience. My guess (laughs) is as soon as you think you figured out what uh, an extraordinary life looks like, you know, you get a curveball, and that's going to change and it's going to shift and you keep moving toward it. So I think continually checking in on what that definition looks like. I think for me personally right now, it's this cross section of, I think wealth, passion, and freedom is the way that I, is the way I kind of described it. Wealth, passion, and freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think that to me, it's like, yes, um, a degree of wealth, of financial um, stability is important to me. And people may think that's terrible. I know the, the millennial playbook is like, don't focus on that, focus on experience. But no, I, I don't care. I, I want to... I want to make sure that I am um, financially stable and I can take care of the people around me and I can, I can spend money in a way that helps me uh, live the life I want. Passion means I will not uh, do whatever it takes to get wealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to make sure I'm spending time doing things that I'm passionate about. Today, it's fitness and it's business development. Um, I love that. I don't know what it'll be tomorrow. That's what it is today. So I won't sell out and go take a job that's high paying if it's not something I love to do. So it's a cross section. Yes, I want to be wealthy, but not at the expense of my passion. And then lastly is freedom. And what I would tell you about that is I'm so fortunate to have done these things since college, since graduating college. And I, I do have a ton of freedom. I get to travel. I get to um, take days off. I get to I get to kind of make my own schedule in a lot of ways. And that's worth a lot to me. So that maybe isn't worth a lot to everybody. To me, that's worth a lot. And so when I think about an extraordinary life, I think about this cross section where I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with the degree of wealth that I've, that I've grown and, and put together. I am working in a place that I'm passionate about. I'm doing things that I'm passionate about and I haven't sold my soul to do it that I have. I still have the freedom to go out and experience other things and uh, pursue hobbies and, 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 um, and travel and do, do other things that sort of fill my cup, so to speak. And so to me, that's an extraordinary life. It's that cross section of wealth, passion, and freedom. Awesome, man. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. You bet. All right. Well, we're running out of time. So I'll, I'll let you leave the listeners with any parting message that's on your mind for anybody out there who's listening to this and just trying to live a better life. Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about that one. Um, and I will just leave it with this. Um, and this is, this is really only, I can only speak from my own singular experience in life, but I would tell you that people make it happen. Um, relationships are uh, really the most valuable currency I think that that we have access to. And I think that's true in terms of our personal happiness. I think it's also true for our professional prospecting. Um, and I learned that the hard way. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really embrace that concept until really the last like couple of years. Um, give as much as you can to people before you take anything. Um, surround yourself with experts who know more than you do. 
I, I got great advice to build a personal board of directors, you know, people who have gone before you and been there and done that people that you can go to and will always shoot you straight. Um, and then of course, I, I think when you've made some progress, try to turn around and pay it forward. But, but, um, this is about people. This is always going to be about people. And the, the bigger your network and the more meaningful your relationships and the more substantial your relationships, uh, the easier it's going to be to, to achieve the things you want to achieve. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to put my stake in at least right now. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And is there a place that I can, if I, people want to learn more about alchemy or you, or I know we didn't even get into like the entrepreneurial <laughs> stuff. We, oh, no, it's we okay. Could go on, we could go on forever. Um, but is there any place that you'd want me to direct people to in the show notes or anything? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done a few, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do a few talks. That I think that are floating around on the internet. Not, I am, I am not telling people to Google my name, but if you are really interested in finding, I've done a few talks that I think are out there. Uh, I'm on Instagram T underscore K underscore Q. And, um, I try to fill that account with, you know, short business learnings. Um, and then of course that's intermingled with my dog. I've got a great dog. So <laughs> but a, lot, a lot of little business blurbs that I try to put in there, experiences that I've had, um, sometimes with alchemy, sometimes more just general concepts. Um, and yeah, hopefully if I'm lucky, I can do more of this stuff. But of course, alchemy is alchemy365.com and people can check it out there. And um, yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm around, I'm floating out yeah. there. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing some of your story and your time. It means a lot. You bet. you bet. Thanks a lot, Tim. What's up, podcast listeners? Thanks for tuning into this conversation with Tyler Quinn. I hope that you got something out of this conversation like I did, like his simple and very impactful message at the end there saying, you know, just define what extraordinary is for yourself and then go attack it. And I think that Tyler's story is cool because that's what he did. So he's a walking example of figuring out what extraordinary is for you, attacking it, tweaking along the way, and, and then just keep going. So Thanks for tuning in. I will link all of his information in the show notes if you want to check out Alchemy or the work that he does. And as always, people, go live an extraordinary life, and I'll see you next time.